Hello and welcome to an emergency broadcast of This Is Not A Whocast. This is not an bro- emergency broadcast because we don't have to talk about Doctor Who and the fact that Russell T. Davis is back. I'm Daniel. And I'm Bo. And our emergency happened exactly one week ago. We've just been a little slow to respond. Yes, and it's gonna. <laughs> this is going to come out like three weeks after that. God scheduling. Also, uh, we're doing a very special broadcast today because we are um, suffering from... Some different circumstances. Uh, I am live in the studio and Dan is also live from uh, the comfort of his home uh, as our TARDIS may have had a slight mishap in terms of its uh, ability to travel through space and time. I was aiming for 2006, but ended up here. God, what a nightmare. See, I think what happened is I was really hoping for, you know, like the 90s on account of nostalgia. And as a result, our conflicting ideology and understanding of what was happening blew up the TARDIS console and here we are exactly now you're in the present day and I'm in 2005 and uh, apparently Russell T Davis is running Doctor Who (laughs) I am so excited I oh man I'm I'm thrilled um it was one of those things where when I saw the headline um I think I instantly sent you (laughs) a thing saying oh my god Russell T Davis is back you and six other people sent me that link. I just think it's such a good move for BBC. I think it's a really smart decision. He's going to be back before the 60th anniversary because if he wasn't, no one would care. <laughs> the sky is the limit now for um, for the, the 60th anniversary. Can you believe that's been 10 years, by the way? Jesus. Yeah, um, we keep talking about the 50th anniversary and how much fun that is. Mm. I like the idea that um, Jodie Whittaker is going to be in the 60th and this is going to be our only good episode. Um, I'm I'm really excited to um, to see the like if of it, it has to be a multi doctor story, right? It it always is. I'm excited to see the other doctors react to them becoming a woman. I were, I reckon uh, Matt Smith would be into it. No, I reckon David Tennant's going to hit on himself. Oh, one hundred percent. Do a Loki. <laughs> oh, they could just do what Loki. He's, did. he's so vain that he fell in love with himself. That's genius. <laughs> That's very here. Uh, on the topic of Loki, Loki is actually uh, the best Doctor Who show going at the moment. I, I completely agree. <laughs> oh, dear. They even have a female Loki, uh, and unlike some characters, it works. So, Dan, um, what have you been up to this week in terms of Doctor Who? Have you been consuming any uh, Doctor Who podcasts or uh, stories or anything i gave you a bunch of i gave i gave uh bo my entire collection of big finish audios and he's like oh my god this is this is a lot isn't it yes do you know how many um for those of you listening from home do you know how many doctor who big finish episodes there are there's 20 gig worth of uh <laughs> doctor who big finish episodes and uh so i'm that interested. i own Yes, yes, of course. So uh, I we I was going to do a little bit of uh, digging for our uh, upcoming episode where we are going to discuss the master and I wanted to get a bit of the big finish perspective on the master. But as um, I looked at the sheer volume of stories, I'm going to have to, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to consume that in a week, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> I'll just have to go to sleep with my headphones on and hope, hope that I consume it all like through sleep. That's a lot. You don't have to listen to all of it, cool. but uh, you should you should listen to Masterful, which is the multi-master series where uh, the master killed the doctor, uh, and then we see the fallout of that. Nice. So, so what have you listened to this week, Dan? 
well, I've been listening to a bunch of uh, the master stories, but then as soon as Rusty Davis was announced, I went back and watched my favorite episodes of his. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to do that too, actually. Um, I, uh, for just whatever reason, I think we were discussing it last week and, and I just had the urge to go back and watch the 50th anniversary. And I started there and then that sort of snowballed into Matt Smith's final episode uh, in um, the uh, time of the Doctor. And then that snowballed into Deep Breath. To watch those all back to back, especially like the 50th, it's just like uh, my wife, Catherine, was uh, listening. She was in the bedroom, but she could hear the, the sound coming down the hall. And she said like, it's such a great episode that even just listening to it, she could imagine everything that was happening, uh, which was really, really cool. And just the banter uh, and the chemistry between Matt Smith and David Tennant. Uh, they're both so much the Doctor in their own way. Do you know who doesn't feel like the Doctor? John Hurt. Well, he's not supposed to feel like the Doctor, right? That's fair. I think that's fair. He he stopped being the Doctor. <laughs> he, he took that uh, away. In the novelization of the 50th anniversary, it's revealed that that thing that he drank was a lemonade. The thing that he drank? The In the Night of the Doctor. Oh, right, the, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Eighth Doctor drank this uh, scary potion which turned him into the War Doctor. And then he. So it was a psychology thing where he was like, oh, yeah, I could just have to make myself believe. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's another great short as well. Oh, that short single-handedly showed everyone that wasn't listening to Big Finish. Paul McGann should really be the Doctor more. Well, that's um, moving into um, Mr. Russell T. Davies' return. I think there's a chance that they could maybe do a bit of a prequel. Oh, everything is open, uh, is on the table now. The BBC has never controlled... Uh, they've controlled the budget, but in terms of the story, it's always been on the showrunner. Mm. So can you can you imagine if they sort of put where they are in Doctor Who now on hold until maybe after the 60th, but in the meantime, they went back and got Paul McGann's Doctor to do, you know, maybe a couple of seasons? That sounds like fan fiction and I'm in. We've got an entire Time War to explore. Oh, yeah, there's so much there. Um, Big Finish has been exploring the Time War, but the TV shows never cared about Big Finish. Yeah, well, fair, fair cool, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that only watch television too, right? They won't they won't listen to the audio drama, so they won't know anything about that sort of stuff. So I think there's there's a, a huge audience there for that. And I think the, the idea of the Time War being like this big calamity event, I don't know, I think it just gives um, the audience something to strive towards you know like there's like this mm-hmm. kind of big thing it's always been something that's been referenced in the the show we've never and we've sort of seen bits and pieces of it but it'd be cool to to go back and, and see it firsthand through the perspective of the doctor and then have him make that decision to become the war doctor that would be really cool if he couldn't save people whatever that sounds like a future episode and also remember when he turned into um the war doctor the war doctor was younger when he started out so they could even i know uh with the passing of john hurt they obviously can't have him as he was in the 50th but they could have a younger iteration take over from paul mcgann after a season or two maybe you just have him maybe what you do is you do the entire season and then the night of the doctor is that finale which leads into the 50th anniversary and we just fill it in that way yeah yeah 
But that that's our fan fiction. Yes, yes. But I, I just think it's such a wasted opportunity not to have Paul McGann at some... If he doesn't come in in the 60th, can you, they, they've just got to have him because he, he would be ideal. I think that you're right. I think that if you're going to do a multi-doctor story, do a proper multi-doctor story. I want at least five doctors. in. We've got Peter Capaldi, we've got Matt Smith, we've got David Tennant, we've got Jodie Whittaker, and we've got um, Paul McGann. Yeah, as someone who's watched uh, the five doctors, that would be a clusterfuck, and I'm all in. Uh, wouldn't it be mad, and we've talked about this at length um, outside of the podcast, but wouldn't it just be awesome if they could somehow, some way, get Christopher Eccleston back in? Yeah, uh, that would be cool. He's He doesn't hate Doctor Who, but he hates the producers. I know which producer he hates. Don't remember his name. But that guy, but the producer he hates is like, yes, uh, Christopher Eccleston quit because of these reasons. And he's like, you lying bitch. Well, hopefully those people have maybe moved on out, out of the company. True, but Russell T. Davis is back and he was part of that team. So if nothing else, he's, that's going to stop him from I'm coming sure back. That, I'm sure that um, they they had an amicable split. I think it was more the, the studio for Chris Eccleston than anything else. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about it to sort of say here neither here nor there type thing i'm just glad that he's back doing big finish yeah yeah well he he's a great doctor and uh I, like i know people that have said oh you should just start from 10 it's like no way nine is awesome. listen listen to me <laughs> anyone who skips line uh shut up christopher eccleston is better than david Tennant. oh uh christopher eccleston is actually my wife's favorite doctor see but that's on account of the fact that he looks almost identical to her dad. Do you know the history of the wilderness years? Is that the period after Sylvester McCoy's doctor plunged everything into um, status? Yes. Sorry, no, not status, stasis. Yeah. The wilderness years was uh, was really weird for if you were a Doctor Who fan back then. I wasn't. But I read about it, so I'm going to speak with authority. Go for it. Okay, so um, no one cared about Doctor Who. Doctor Who was a joke. By the time it was over, all the producers in, in uh, on the BBC hated it. Everyone thought it was a massive joke for four-year-olds. It was dumb and stupid. That is how everyone thought Doctor Who was, except for the people selling the books. So there was tons of Doctor Who content still being produced. The um and the the doctor that they had was the seventh doctor, and then in 1996, the eighth doctor. So, in terms of pure content, the amount the seventh and eighth doctors have the most. Oh, wow! In terms of like everything on account, except of for big finish stories, not including big finish stories. Big finish started in 2003, maybe 2000. It started in 2000. Um, so you had tons of Seventh Doctor stories before then. So Dan, just quickly go jogging back to Chris Eccleston. I just had a quick look up of um, uh, a quote from Christopher Eccleston, which pretty much will cement uh, his return for, well, whether or not he returns for the 60th. And he said, uh, this is from 2018, uh, my relationship with my three immediate superiors, the showrunner, the producer and co-producer, broke down irreparably during the first block of filming and it never recovered. He added that he will never have a working relationship with the then producer and showrunner Russell T Davies again. Eek. So can, yeah. that, there we go. 
Uh, in a further interview, uh, he said, and I quote, will you be back for the 60th anniversary? And he said, uh, when hell freezes over. Well, that's funny that he should say that because I remember when the 50th was out, Moffat almost got him back on board. Almost. They, apparently they had a couple of meetings and they, they got very close, but it came down to something, I think, uh, Chris Eccleston wanted some a certain thing to happen within the story, and Moffat was like, "No, uh, this is what happened. This is what actually happened." Uh, he was polite. Oh, Stephen Moffat he... asked him for like a lunch to try and convince him, but by the entrees, Moffat knew that it wasn't going to happen. Right. So he just did the British thing and was like, "Oh yes, of course, we'll have lunch." <laughs> Of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> I no. love them no. because Russell T. Davis is big old British and be like, yes, um, I'm, I'm, I am happy to be coming back for the 60th and I hope that Chris Chibnall will have a great final <laughs> no, season. No, no, he said, my, my friend, Chris Chibnall. <laughs> my uh, friend whom I trust with this show, with my life even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he lies. Chris, uh, British politeness is just lying through your teeth, mm. but politely. You've got a smile too, as you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a British laugh if I've heard one. <laughs> it's basically just my Nigel uh, Thornbury. If Christopher Eccleston was the showrunner, he'd be like, yeah, back. This guy, massive dick. <laughs> uh, I want Colin Baker to be showrunner just because he'd be like, oh, finally. I've I've been wanting to fix this show since I left. <laughs> no more snogging. <laughs> Too much of that. Oh, I love him. He's old school. He's great. If you want the best multi-doctor story, watch the five-ish doctors. Yeah, I remember seeing bits and pieces of that when the 50th came out. Um, and it was very, very funny. Uh, I love that, um, that uh, Paul McGann is like this. Um, he's like an honorary old man. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these like really old guys and he's like in his 40s 50s i think he's in his 50s well now. back then he was in his 40s and he's oh just my kind god of there, it's like, been so long yeah yeah well naturally the 60th is coming 10 years after the 50th so <laughs> it, it's been 10 years god i want susan to be back so bad but she's like 87 <laughs> but i still want her to be back I'm still 16, darling. Oh, yeah. If, if you, I, I read, I listened to the Big Finish audios for Susan, Susan's War, uh, which is her, a story of her in the Time War. That works because, you know, she's meant to be old. And um, then there's one called After the Daleks, which is set five minutes after the, um, after the Daleks were defeated. And you have like new Nazis raising, rising up which is, you know, uh, any good Dalek story is a story about Nazis and fascism. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so, Dan, I've got a question for you as a uh, Doctor Who connoisseur mm-hmm. and somebody that uh, is obviously um, <coughs> very well read on the subject. Uh, what sort of Doctor do you think we can expect from Russell T. Davies' return? Oh, I think that he's learnt a lot. Uh, like, his biggest mistake was... Uh, the Doctor's relationship with Martha Jones. Okay. Please elaborate. Well, um, the Martha is like, man, I'm so in love with the Doctor. And the Doctor's like, yeah, but like, you're not Rose though. (laughs) And everyone's like, shut up about Rose for fuck's sake. I think season three retroactively made Rose worse. 
I think you have people that like Rose and the Doctor in season two and those who are correct. <laughs> and then season three, it's just like anyone that hated Rose and the Doctor being a couple were like, shut the fuck up. She's your companion now and she's 10 times better. She's smart. She's more empathetic. And Rose, Rose would be like, ew, Grace, a fish man. And uh, Martha's like, oh, I can't find his heart. I don't know fish anatomy. I'm sorry. This is and terrible. Also, I'm she's way a doctor, better. right? That that that's an interesting dynamic. The yeah, doctor with she's a doctor and it an actual been an doctor inter- of medicine. <laughs> yeah, she could have been like it could have been a student teacher thing where she like the doctor's teaching her about like space and um medicine and she's getting her doctorate and she's teaching him how to connect more with individuals rather than just focusing on the big picture. Yeah, they could have done that. From a style perspective, what sort of doctor do you think we're going to get? I don't know if he's going to go back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like non- Monster of the Week type thing. I think they're going to do that, but I don't know if they're going to go back to like full Buffy. And explain think... to me what, because I, I don't really see the sort of correlation between Buffy and, and Doctor Who. You got, a, you got a team. We, we got a team. We got oh, to go okay. fight the Monster yeah, yeah, of the yeah. Week. Like the Scooby Gang um, type thing. Yeah, Scooby Gang type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, which but- honestly, I'm not a big fan of in, um, I don't like when the, they have like a team TARDIS type thing. I prefer like the doctor and a companion. That's, that's I some- like the way that Russell T Davis and Stephen Moffat built their team mm. slowly throughout, t- throughout but they, the and they, they weren't always, always like that. They weren't always occupied. Like yeah. it might be the doctor and, uh, say Martha and then it might be the doctor and others at you know different points or whatever. Exactly. And then by the time we got to the season four finale, it turns out there's like 10 of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that That's there, cool. When we, we, we slowly built up and built up and built up. And then in the season finale, it's like, guess what? The reason that this, that this TARDIS is always running around bumping into shit is because I'm the only one flying it. Now we have like 10 people here. So everyone, except for uh, Jackie, which is funny. <laughs> Jackie is like, just, just stay there. But you have the whole team. You have Sarah and uh, Rose and Martha and Donna and Mickey and other doctor and Jack. Other doctor. <laughs> I so was having like vanity seven. issues at the time. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That's a good line. Stephen Moffat threw in a line saying, never tell me the rules just to be like, I am the showrunner, you Doctor Who fans. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I like I was for the most part a big fan of Stephen Moffat's uh, tenure. Um, I mostly because like with any writer, I don't really presume to know better than what they're doing. The only thing that sort of put me off about the more mo- the modern episodes that we've had in the last couple of years is they just didn't appeal to my sense of um, of what I thought Doctor Who was about. And I'm really hoping that not only do we go back to it, but he's learnt from there and he improves yeah upon it. and i'm sure he will i'm sure he wouldn't uh, somebody of that caliber i don't think would have accepted a return unless they thought they had more to say on the matter do you know what i mean like he he had more there's more stories there's more that he can bring to it and the bbc were like please we're losing viewers left right and center please come back <laughs> please I, I didn't know who they'd pick for the new one but i had 
But I, I did not I, think I, it was going to be Russell T Davies. I didn't think that I would not have guessed within a million years that they would have brought him back. I was really hopeful that Neil Gaiman would take on the spot. Neil Gaiman's uh, uh, Neil Gaiman would have been good. He's got like sixty-two projects on the burner yeah. at the moment. So. Speaking of which, have you seen this? You've seen the Sandman trailer? Yes, I'm so keen for Sam. So far, it's virtually word for word from the trailer, from like the opening parts of the. Um, well, I've only ever listened to the audio drama. I can't say that I'm a fan of the graphic novels because I haven't uh, ever had a chance to read them, but. Um, Definitely, uh, from what I've listened to, uh, phenomenal. And if you get a chance, uh, and this goes for anyone listening, if you're a big fan of audio drama or uh, audio books, the Sandman audio drama parts one and two is phenomenal. They're both great. So who's your um, who's your hope for the Doctor, Dan? Who do you th- who would you like to play the Doctor if you could have anyone play the Doctor? Who anyone for Russell T Davies' return. Oh. You need someone that's uh, can do comedy. Mm. Someone that's uh, can do British comedy. Um, who's and do you think it has to be exclusively cast uh, to a British actor? The only reason that you do that is because they film in England. But I don't actually care. Someone from the UK. But I mean, um, but Robert um, Downey Jr. was a phenomenal Sherlock Holmes, and he wasn't British. Well, yes, but he also costs like twenty. Oh, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that he should play the Doctor, but what I'm saying is, like, it would be cool for them to open up the the board to international actors like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to be the Doctor? I would love it, man. I think that would be the. It would be both terrifying. Uh, like, I'm not. I don't presume that I deserve it, but um, <laughs> it would be phenomenal. Uh, it, it like since I started watching Doctor Who, I was like, that is a character. Who wouldn't want to? What actor wouldn't want to play the Doctor? Like honestly, like if somebody said to you, "Hey, you, we've got you this audition. Do you want to give it a go?" Or, or you know, they want you to come in and read for the Doctor to see you know what you've got. You would be, I would be mad not to take it. Well, the best part is that it's not a long-term gig. It's like three to four years. If I did, and, I'd be like, I'm doing this for as long as I want, and you can never well, take yeah, this away from me. <laughs> true, there is that. But like, if you would do it for three or four years, that's like average. You got four years. You get out, and then you're part of a legacy and can go to Bankman. Yeah, and then the sky's the limit for your career afterwards. I mean, look at David Tennant and uh, and Matt Smith. They're doing you know huge work. Oh, Robert Pattinson. Really? He would hate it. I reckon he would hate doing that. Did you say that to trigger me? Because he he's already taken one role from me. He's already already playing the Batman. You're not going to be Batman. You you have got you've got a beard. You're never going to shave that. And if I did, I wouldn't look like Batman. Like, Who's this fourteen-year-old boy? <laughs> they could they could CGI out your your mustache, Ooh, but then you traditionally, still have an beard. traditionally that that hasn't worked for Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Just CG it out; it'll look fine. Who's your favorite um, companion? My favorite companion, ah, GD. from Russell T. Davis era. Oh, um, I don't know if I want to tell you; it'll upset you. I don't care. I'm pretty sure it's Rose. Yeah, I, I love Rose. But then I would say uh, Martha's definitely a, a strong... Um... I think Martha is the best character oh, actually, who is a companion, but on. not the best companion I've because got of how the Doctor treats her. Wilfred. Okay, there is a correct answer. We found it. Wilfred. I had a theory and a thought that Wilfred would have been a unit soldier. Oh, like back in the day type thing, hence the yeah, saluting. Yeah, like with the and... third doctor. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. 
if it was revealed that he was the uh, a unit uh, in unit, if they had brought that up, but I don't, I think he was in one, but I don't think that he was a unit soldier. He should have been. That would have been cool. What they could do is they could do a wibbly wobbly on us and go back and say he was, but for whatever reason, he too had his mind wiped, and that's why he never remembered the doctor. Yeah, but the the actors are dead, and I don't think you can. Oh, do did that he die? When did he die? Yeah. Oh, what? Hmm? Yeah, he died of being ninety. What? That's devastating. I didn't know he died. I thought he was still alive. Yeah, I think they dedicated um, the end of time to him. What? I'm looking this oh, up. If, if, if it turns out that I'm wrong, that would have been. And you just upset me for no reason. <laughs> Brendan, oh, he's even got a British name, Brendan Cribbins. Oh, Cribbins is proper British. It sounds like a biscuit. Dan? Yeah? He's alive. Oh, thank God for that. He's 92. He's <laughs> 92? So, you know. He can, so we can do a multi-companion um, series with, um, with William Russell, who's 98. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Caroline Ford, who's 87. And then you just have this new young doctor be like, um, shut up. I'm older than a lot of you. What are you complaining about? <laughs> they're all like shuffling around in their walkers and stuff. I like the idea of Susan coming back and being like, so I'm still in my first life. How many have you used? <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So Robert Pattinson is your pick. You, seriously? I think, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, I think he's a great actor. I just don't think he's like, I don't think he's the right type for Doctor Who. I mean, he would bring, he would bring an audience, that's for sure. It, well, it depends what kind of Doctor you're looking for. If you're looking for more of a comedic uh, Doctor, then no. But if you're going for more of the grumpy old man type, mm. I reckon you could do it. Thanks for taking everything from me, Dan. I can't even be the Doctor that I would be, which is the grumpy old man type. <laughs> You can do it. I believe in you. Thanks, Dan. You know what? Let's campaign. Let's campaign. Forget Robert Pattinson. I vote for you. Thank you, Dan. That's what what I was hoping you would say. I was trying to get you around that. Um, My pick for the Doctor, sheerly because I think he's a phenomenal actor and he's so British, like it's just perfect, (laughs) is Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen is good. The other good homers. Yeah. So uh, Michael Sheen was in Good Omens. Michael Sheen was also in um, Frost Nixon, uh, Underworld. He played Lucian, the Lycan. Uh, he was in Twilight. He played Aro, um, the Vampire Lord. Um, oh, that's cool. He's just, a, he's just a really diverse actor and so British. And him and David Tennant are best friends in real life. So I love the idea that he could be like, oh, yeah, David, you were the doctor, right? Same. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I changed my vote uh, uh, for uh, the Doctor to be Antonio Banderas. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it. Okay, what about unlikely people? <laughs> unlikely people. Antonio Banderas. Okay, okay yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. I think that he'd be good. Um, unlikely people? Well, people have been saying Idris Elba for ages. Oh, yeah, that could be interesting. He'd be a real too... aggressive doctor. He's very like alpha male. So he'd be yeah. like really um he'd be really interesting. I'm also a fan of Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton would be good. I think you pointed out she would make an excellent war doctor. Mm-hmm. That would have been yeah. a really cool choice. Um for the war doctor, they wanted to get a big name in. Yeah, yeah. They were like, what about Chris Eggerson? Like, mm, no, no, no. Don't talk about it. <laughs> you can't have Chris Eggerson get John Hurt. Um, the other person that I used to really want to play the Doctor uh, was Ben Wishaw, who is the voice of Paddington. 
Oh yay! And uh, he's also he plays Q in the Bond movies. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, the new Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. So he's very wow. he's got that nerdy British vibe about him. Um, so I really like I I, I quite like him uh, as a choice. He would oh, be cool. Only if he is Paddington. <laughs> Paddington one and two are two of the most delightful films ever made. Uh, as soon as the third one comes out, it's going to be the best trilogy ever. <laughs> the greatest trilogy since Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and the Snyder Cut. Uh, Paddington would... one, two, and three. I I love Paddington two. Paddington two is so good. He's even he improves the entire prison system by being <laughs> kind and with marmalade sandwiches. I love that he he's talking to like the hardest dude in the prison, and he just gives him the uh, the Paddington um, hard stare. And then he's like, okay, sure, whatever. We'll make him armor. <laughs> um, he's like, why don't you go see Knuckles? <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, oh, Dan, um, on the topic yeah. of Paddington 2 and, and people in Paddington 2 and the doctor, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant would be great. You know who else would be great? The guy that plays Knuckles. <laughs> oh, um, uh, Brennan Gleeson, who was Mad Eye Moody. Yeah. It's great. He, um, but Hugh Grant would be amazing. Well, Hugh Grant! Oh, new fact. <laughs> I have a fact. Hugh Grant was going to be the ninth doctor. Oh, wow. He turned it down um, because he's like, no, I remember how Doctor Who used to be. And he was asked in an interview in 2012 or something. I forget when. But he was asked in an interview, did he regret it? And he's like, yes, I wanted to be the doctor and now I'm busy. <laughs> well, after watching Hugh Grant in... Paddington too, and the various characters that he plays in that, as you know, because he's a, a a famous actor, and then watching him in uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman, man, he would be phenomenal. Um, he he's at that point in his career now, I think, when he where he's just trying anything. He's like, oh yeah, I'll play that, um, and he's just I having love fun. That kind of- that, that would that's a great kind of freedom that not all actors have. No, no, no. As, well, I think when, once you get to a certain level of um money in the bank you can be like i'm gonna do whatever i want nick uh, cage, Robert pattinson daniel radcliffe oh Hugh well Grant. yeah i think nick cage is a bit of a um he kind of works because he has to <laughs> well he said in an interview that his uh financial struggles aren't as bad as people think that they are right he so likes playing um he likes working yeah and he likes he doing said. obscure stuff yeah yeah, um, and I get I get that as well, going against the Hollywood sort of mold cliche of like what you should be type thing. Yeah. Oh, God. So the fact that Russell T. Davis brought Doctor Who essentially back from the dead, because they tried a bunch of stuff. They tried uh with Richard E. Grant. He was the ninth he was the ninth doctor first. He they did an animated thing with him and the Masters of Robot. That was hmm. cool. But that didn't go Richard anywhere. E. Grant would be a really great future master. Richard E. Grant is the master. Genius. But, I mean, he was um, the snowman. Uh, the great intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So, But, you know, uh, that didn't stop Colin Baker from being the doctor or Peter Davison. Not all Peter Capaldi, I mean. Fair call. That's a fair call. The one person I really hope they don't cast, and it's not anything against them, uh, is Eddie Redmayne. I really don't want Eddie Redmayne to play the Doctor because I feel like he's kind of already that as Newt's commander. So, like, it would just be kind of much of the same thing. Uh, had he not been cast as Newt's commander, then he would have been a really excellent candidate. Do you know who would be fun, though? What's that? Martin Freeman. That's fun. It'd basically be like if you merged John Watson and Bilbo Baggins together and were like, here, eat this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's that's a great idea. Russell T. Davis brought his own unique spin on Doctor Who. Mm. And one of the things that he did was he made the extraordinary um ordinary. Yeah, yeah. He um he had the dynamic of the um of the he had the family dynamic dragging um companions back to earth. Um uh, and he made in season one they were they had no money. So a lot of the things that they did was just replications of of the world or history. And I really like I really like that as an idea. Well, what I what I want to see a return to, and I think this will happen with, with Russell T. Davies, is just taking that simple approach and just really infusing the stories with that cool sort of science fiction vibe, like anything is possible with a bit of duct tape. <laughs> I like the idea of um, the Doctor not having the sonic screwdriver and barely having a TARDIS that works. Because in the classic series, the way that he got from place to place was not by flying the TARDIS, but rather by hitting the TARDIS with the spanner and seeing what will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, would, it, I would also like to see more overarching stories. So like, you have your Monster of the Week, but I would like to see like a, a proper arc. A proper arc would be cool. Where it's like, okay, we're going from here to here, and on the way, we're going to do this, 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 and this. For example, imagine, you know, remember the monks? Yes, the, the headless monks. No, no, it was monks that took over the world. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, planted yeah, yeah. ideas that, so something like that happens in episode one, and then it gets resolved in episode 13. Right, yeah, that's very cool. And then you just see the result of that happening throughout the series. Yeah. Because what they did before was they had like clues set up throughout the series. And then this is what all those clues meant. But I I think that they did that with, um, in season six, but they did that with the doctor's death. It's like the doctor died for real this time. And I'm like, no, he didn't. And then throughout all of season six, I'm like, of course he didn't. You're wrong. Told you so. And so what would you say would have been your favorite episode of uh, Russell T Davies previous run? My favorite episodes of the 10th Doctor have barely any Doctor in them. <laughs> so you got Gridlock. Yep. I really like Gridlock. But my favorite one is Human Nature. Right. Human Nature and Family of Blood. The Doctor... Oh, yeah. Um, Family of Blood was really good. The Doctor goes into hiding and John Smith... Uh, and he becomes John Smith and falls in love with a human. I really like that she has uh, racist biases. She's a good person, but she's still racist because she grew up in the 1920s. <laughs> I think it was the 1940s, actually. So every every season of Doctor Who has that one episode that we don't talk about because it's super weird. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Russell T. Davies and the Absorber Loft? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have context for that. It doesn't help it. <laughs> it's such a weird episode. It's such a shit episode. It's just... That that thing when it run there's a one scene where it runs around a corner chasing somebody with its little loincloth on and all the faces popping out of it and its butt hanging out and you're just like what? <laughs> yeah. So here's what happened. One, that's a Doctor Light episode. Every see every ep- season has one Doctor Light episode and one Companion Light episode. Sometimes they're the same episode. Right. Um, like Blink was a Doctor and Companion Light episode. Yep. And essentially, it's we need you to film for like five minutes. So that you can go on, uh, go on a week's vacation. Yeah, take yeah. A week give off. give the actors a break, type thing. Yeah, 
Um, so sometimes that works, like when season three with Blink, and sometimes you get Love and Monsters, which is uh, what the fuck? Which one was Love and Monsters? Refresh me. On it's that the one with the Absorbaloff. Oh, is that the episode? That other was called yeah. the Absorbaloff. No. Um, so Love and Monsters is about this group of Doctor Who fans that meet online, and then a troll comes and takes away all their fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great description of the internet. But uh, that's essentially what the episode is about. I think it works better with with um, Charles Dickens, where the Ninth Doctor meets Charles Dickens. is like, I'm a big fan of yours, <laughs> but then criticizes some of his work. And he's like, well, you can't take criticism. <laughs> I really like that one, and I fucking hate Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters is probably the worst Doctor Who episode. I think the worst ever. part about it is it fe- features um, Jackie Tyler as a lead character, and you're just like, shut up. Oh, my God. If Stop shouting. Makes, <laughs> if anything makes Rose look good, it's, it's her fucking mother. <laughs> but Love and Monsters is uh, the design of the monster was like a contest. I want to say, or a make a wish thing where they're like, we'll put, uh, we'll put the kids uh, monster into an episode, but like you do that in like an episode, like um, uh, the end of the world where they had a bunch of monsters and ones in the background. And just, but did, didn't they, the didn't they say that the Absorbaloff is a, a distant relative of the, uh, what do you get? The Slovene? Oh, they would, wouldn't they? I think they were like, yeah, yeah. They're like a, uh, Cousin uh, planet type thing of close, yeah, enough, which is the why they kind of the Savine, uh, a, a monster that um got de- um degraded um enough so that they ended up on Sarah Jane Adventures, which I'd argue is superior uh <laughs> to a lot of Doctor Who, not all of it, but a lot of it. The Savine they come from uh Raxacorico Fallopatorius, yeah, and the way that the Night Doctor figured that out is the most doctor thing i've ever seen the doctor do where he's just all right i'm gonna we, we need to get what do we know about it and then it's like uh there he's like there is 5372 planets within traveling distance what do we know uh we've got to narrow it down and then they just keep keep going on and on and on and it's like narrows it down narrows it down narrows it down and he's like got it that is the best and that's like oh I, I want him to be back as the doctor that would be nice but as research has told us it's never going to happen. <laughs> no. Maybe they can just like CGI his face onto somebody they else. They did. They already did that. Briefly. Like barely, like you barely even see that it's him. Well, as we know from uh, Star Wars, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, fair call. Um, let's not. I do like, um, I don't know, they have voice uh, actors to do ninth doctor stories before chris eccleston came in but i don't think that they i but i've never listened to them because they're not chris eccleston i'm really i'm really excited because i i think that what they can do is more is what he's done is he's learnt is he's learnt he's gone on his like full doctory arc he knows what works and what doesn't work Mm. So are there certain certain things that you don't want to see in a future doctor in terms of yes Yes. Listen, listen to me. Listen, listen. This is important. Pay attention. All right. Don't have the doctor and his companion dating or <laughs> falling in love or kissing or <laughs> creepily having sex when the, she's getting married in the morning. Don't do that shit. Make the doctor asexual 
for God's sakes. <laughs> I, I was, I meant like more like physically in the doctor. Do you want him to have a beard or do you want him to? Oh, I don't give a shit about any of that crap. I, I just care about him. And I like uh, <laughs> him having a beard. Reminds me of that joke that was in. Um, <laughs> the master was, joke. Yeah. Uh, does he have that? Does he still have that rubbish beard? No. Well, a wife. <laughs> I think that's the first gay joke that I understood. <laughs> um, so your all-time favorite Russell T Davies episode? Oh, all right. I don't know. Midnight. I really love Midnight or Human Nature, but Human Nature is based on a book. So Midnight or Human Nature. Yours? Um, forgetting the title. What's yeah? Uh, okay, you're the walking encyclopedia of, of episode listings. Sure. The episode where he basically encounters the devil. Oh, uh, the Satan Pit. The Satan Pit, yeah, yeah. That's probably up there for me. That's cool. That's such a I cool mean, moment. And the fact that that, like, it never really confirms it, but that's, yeah, that's pretty much a fallen angel in there. Yeah. Uh, well, it's an alien that projected himself onto, like, millions of planets. Well, as as you know, something you've seen a million times before, but an alien. <laughs> they're not vampires. They're fish vampires. <laughs> That was the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, they're vampires, <laughs> but they swim. Yeah, so that, that's up there. Um, I love, obviously, um, David Tennant's the set of his, his final episodes are really good. Um, and his his farewell is obviously awesome. And the soundtrack that uh, that Murray, Murray Gold, um, who did the soundtrack for those seasons. Um, oh, uh, did he do the um the oud songs? Yeah, yeah, like and Valet de Sam, which is the um David Tennant's goodbye song. Um, it, it, I don't know, it just brought a sense of epicness to um to the show. So, if for if you don't know this, do you know what um what how important it is to have one composer for an entire show? Oh yeah, because it, it brings continuity to the fabric of the story. Exactly. Because this is exactly how every single song goes. This is how scores get written for episodes. Hi, we're done the show. You have a week. Well, fuck. (laughs) So composers that work on shows, they have like character songs and they have, they have light motifs, which is a, uh, which is a musical, uh, musical uh, set set up for a person, place or thing. And so they have one for the Doctor, they have one for his companions, the TARDIS, several monsters, and then the rest they just play by ear. And I love that they brought the Ood back. Yeah, yeah. the Ood, I like that they took the Ood and they made them something more than what they were as well. Like at the start, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like monster of the week type thing. And well, they, they revealed what they were. They had them being slave, uh, essentially a slave race mm. that was then controlled by the devil. Mm. And I love that when uh, he's like, Oh, I, I've met them before. And she's like, but you didn't help them. I was busy. Doing <laughs> what? Uh, it, it, was the, it was the devil. Oh, if you're not going to tell me, you don't need to make fun. <laughs> <laughs> what episode was that one from? That was from the Planet of the Ood when, they, uh, when Donna and the Doctor met them again. Oh, yes. Yeah, see, I repressed all of Donna's episodes. So. You are wrong, sir. <laughs> wrong. You only don't like her because she reminds you of a friend. So that's all your own shit. Yeah. Although, very, I will admit, very funny. And her and David Tennant have some excellent chemistry moments. She's so good. I like her empathy. You know Rose, if she saw a nude, would be like, Ew! 
It's a squid man with a suit. <laughs> so who's your favorite monster, Dan, in all of Russell T. Davies' run? I'm gonna That's say the, I'm gonna say the Ood. I think the Ood were awesome. The Ood are really good. That um, if you count them as monsters, then they'd win. I love the monster from Midnight. It's just so creepy. You're essentially fighting the unknown. Um, the Vashtanarada. Oh yeah, they were good. They're really good, and unlike the Weeping Angels, they weren't ruined by bringing them back. Stephen Moffat is really good at creating monsters, even when he isn't here. Oh yeah, Vashtanarada. Vashtanarada. They were really good and quite creepy. But I, I think that the monster from Midnight is the creepiest. And what about your favorite villain? Favorite villain? Ah, oh, I, I feel like the master. I love John Sims' master. Yeah, he was a good master. I feel like they kind of overdid him in the end, though. Well, uh, yeah, in the end, like they when did. he went all crazy with the drums and and the blonde hair and. Yeah, that stuff didn't work. But what did work was when they brought him back. And when he, he was the missing. Prime Minister of England, that was really cool. That was fun. Season three master was really good. And also when they brought him back in um, with, um, with Missy. De- Derek, uh, I thought Derek Jacoby was really good. Sorry, De- De- Derek Jacoby was was really good. Derek um, Jacoby was really good, but he was the master for 35 seconds. Yeah, but he left such a mark in that 35 seconds. Like You're like, oh, wow, that really seems like the master. He's my favorite master because of Big Finish. Yeah, right. And I think that he's more the master in the 5.7 seconds that he was the master than John Sim was. Okay, very cool. But I really like John Sim as well. I like that he was kind of like this old school style master. Like he had that kind of old who vibe. And then when he came in as as John Sim, you're like, okay, this is a man that can compete with the 10th Doctor. Yeah, in terms of really, energy and and just sheer, uh, what's a good word, um, pizzazz. Yeah, as soon as I saw the master first show up in the third in the third Doctor's era, I'd be like, "Hello, I'm usually referred to as the master. You'll obey me." <laughs> My code name is Masterson. <laughs> You'll never guess who I am. <laughs> I <laughs> are you the master? Oh shit! No. <laughs> oh well. Obviously not then. You wouldn't lie. I can't wait to do the master episode. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> so overall, what, what, how are you feeling now, Dan, uh, about the future of Doctor Who? I'm thinking the future is going to be bright. They've learned their lessons. Uh, don't hire people that uh, think that they can do better than the fifth Doctor and instead hire people that are just doing their own thing. Because uh, Chris Chibnall is what happens if someone like me runs Doctor Who. <laughs> Smug prick, no talent. I was going to say us like um, fanboy couch warriors that are like, I can, I can do better than that. Oh, God. And then they're like, okay, do it. And you're like, oh, well, I, uh, I got stuff on. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got lots of lo- lots of criticizing to do over here. And I, uh, I just I don't think I want to, uh, you know, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially it. Oh, God. I have so many good ideas for Doctor Who. Uh, never listen to me, uh, BBC. BBC are like, no worries, Dan. We won't. <laughs> okay. Good. Except for this one time. No, that's a good point, though, Dan. I think what they need to do is really, and I think they're hopefully in the process of doing this, but they need to listen to what fans actually want. And I think this is something we see a lot of in studios nowadays. The studio goes, well, you'll just get what you're given. And you're like, well. I think been happening is the opposite of that like we got the Snyder cut they listened to the people saying that Sonic looks like a 
Okay, uh, twice, but a lot of that came down to the fact that they had nothing else to release. So they're like, oh, well, we've got this movie that's three quarters made. Let's might as well finish it off and put it on streaming services. I, I, I don't think that, it had much to do with the fan outcry. I think it was more they just wanted something to, to stream. <laughs> I'm very excited. And um, when that comes out, we can do like a week. We can add the um, show to our podcast. Yes, that would be very cool. I think that's it for our, our episode on Russell T. Davies, our emergency broadcast. You might say our emergency who cast. <laughs> this is not a who cast. Correct. So it's just an emergency <laughs> broadcast about Doctor Who. <laughs> the reason I came up with the name is because all the other names were taken. Um, on the note of um, like playing the Doctor, can you imagine if they did get an Australian actor to play the Doctor, but they did a British accent? They would have to do one episode where they came to Australia and the Doctor pretended to be Australian, but just used their natural voice like David Tennant did when he was uh, in Scotland. I was about to and say then, Dev Tennant did that exact thing. Then we could be like, um, he'd be like, G'day, mate. I'm the Doctor. <laughs> and every Doctor Who fan in Britain would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and every um, Doctor Who fan in Australia would be like, that's a rubbish accent. <laughs> that's not his real accent. And then like, yeah, actually it is. Oh, wow. Okay. Is he, is he from Melbourne? <laughs> I like the idea of, of someone from a different... Um, America or Australia playing uh, the Doctor mm. just because the accent will be different. And I think that you could bring a lot to it. Yeah, I think it's um, it'd be interesting. Uh, who knows where they're going next? <laughs> who knows? I get it because you said who and then you touched your nose. Yes. We have to explain it because it's not being filmed. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Dan said <laughs> who and then he tapped the side of his nose with his index finger. Like and Tom said, Baker did. Nose. Because the nose knows. Perhaps you are me. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> God, do you want to do the 50th anniversary? That's got to be an I episode. I want to do the 50th That's anniversary. Hands down, that has to be an episode. But we'll okay. get to that. Uh, maybe that could be follow-up to our master episode. All right, fine. We'll do the master episode next. Because uh, I've done a lot of research and I'm not throwing this stuff away. Uh, this is all an act program. and we're very well prepared and we know exactly what episodes are coming up next. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, unless there's an emergency Hugh cast. Yes, or as the doctor would say, we have no plan and uh, we just wing it, see how it goes, and if it plays out well, we say it was part of the plan all along. Uh, this has been part of the plan all along. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. Hello.